Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, Super Producer Brandon Newman, Isaiah in the Desert, my father, Mike Golick Sr. And, uh, Dad, we got a great show for the people today. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five-star rating. Check us out on DraftKingsNetwork.com and on YouTube. We have got three big questions in our conference previews for college football and the ACC. We have got a little look at some air and ground uh, in the world of the NFL and a questionable picture in Major League Baseball. But, Dad, <laughs> what if I told you that at the end of this week, we have six real-life football games that are getting ready to count towards someone's win and loss record for the regular season in the world of college football? Would that be something you might be interested in? So this is it. 
right? This is it. This oh. Saturday starts it until, you know, the after the Super Bowl. What is the Super Bowl? I think February 11th in Vegas. We have meaningful football that counts every single week. I know we just had the, you know, our last preseason games. We have our last week's preseason games. We have one more week coming up and certainly stuff to talk about there. But yeah, I mean, it all counts. I'm getting on a plane today to go to uh, Ireland for the Notre Dame Ireland game this, this weekend. Your mother's going to meet me out there looking forward to all the events that we're going to be at out there. But the bottom line is this counts. And, and I still, I still remember when you went in 2012, you and Jake, uh, and you guys beat Navy pretty good. And you guys, you know, handle them, you know, hopefully the way Notre Dame will handle Navy on Saturday. And I remember you saying you got to film the next day and Harry Heastan just destroyed you guys. I've always said, you know this, there are times you get ripped worse after a win than after a loss and you guys got destroyed. So that's also coming too. Coach is coming down hard on players because it all counts now. Yeah, the harsh reality is about to set in for everybody here because that Ireland trip, I'm glad you mentioned that. You and mom are getting ready to go back over and do exactly what you did last time. Now, you don't have blood relatives on the field, so it's a right. little bit different as far as the rooting yeah. interest. Yeah. But when we went on that Ireland trip, and the reason I'm salty about not going this time is when you bring 120 college kids over to a foreign country, what do you do if you're the football program? You stick them way out in the countryside yeah. near nothing resembling fun or civilization. And that's exactly what Notre Dame very smartly did with us, which meant that we didn't really get to see any of what was going on in Dublin. We did one day where we went on a bus tour and looked around at stuff. But other than that, every one of my days was preoccupied with walking down into the lobby for breakfast in the morning and seeing you and the rest of the members of our support staff walk in bleary-eyed and hungover as yeah. all hell from the temple bar. Yeah, whiskey and ginger would be the, the, the alcohol drink. And then I drank so much Guinness. Uh, on that as well. And, and you're right. It's a ball. And they're expecting 40,000 Americans coming over for that game, fans for Navy and for Notre Dame. So the Temple Bar area is going to be packed. You're right. But but this is how it's always been. Players never get to enjoy it. Both teams are leaving on Wednesday and, and you leave at night and you get there and actually Thursday, it's five hour time difference from Eastern Standard uh, it's five hours ahead in Ireland. So you got to go there. You got to acclimate as quickly as possible. You're getting there on Thursday. That day, you, you shake the cobwebs. Friday is walkthrough day. And then you're playing the game Saturday. So, yeah, you really have no time to prepare or get ready. But there's so much hype and adrenaline going right now. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome, and I, I hope and pray with everything in me they don't practice the team right when they get off the plane the way they tried to do with us. That was one of one of the more useless practices I have ever been a part of just because none of us were worth a damn. But you're right, it does get real, and you do get reminded of the standard of winning here pretty soon like we did there where just because you think you did well with the box score doesn't mean your coach is going to agree with that the following day. I learned very quickly what the standard was going to be like that year and it worked out and we were right so hopefully it'll be that yep. same standard for the guys in South Bend uh heading over to Dublin and the rest of college football USC and San Jose State are getting started USC is going to be the highest ranked team in action on week zero which don't get me started on that as a concept why it's zero and not one 
we'll get to it some other time. Uh, Dan, we also, uh, over the weekend here, I have really checked off a number of items on the California bingo card this weekend <laughs> here as we had the remnants of Hurricane Hillary, which became a tropical storm once it made landfall near California. The first tropical storm to make landfall here in August since 1939. Com- combined yesterday with a an earthquake that registered at about a five on the Richter scale. So I'm sitting around here minding my own business, listening to what's just essentially a lot of rainfall. Like I guess people in Los Angeles aren't used to rain. Some areas further from the shore dealt with flash flooding and so certainly don't want to minimize that. But all of a sudden I'm talking to you and mom and my chair just starts shaking in my house. And I then look and the quickest thing, Outside of being vegan and just talking about traffic, the quickest thing people in Los Angeles will tell you about is when an earthquake happens. And so I joined in the chorus that as we had the hurricane hit yesterday. So uh, big day for California experiences for your boy yesterday here. I know you guys were jealous on the uh, Midwest. Oh, yeah. Being in an earthquake and, and and luckily, you know, there was really no damage and and you know, the biggest thing is no loss of life and because God knows those can be horrific. But I love how you turned a weather event into into a sports topic. That's a good job. Well, I say, listen, so since we are getting ready for meaningful football and we had a combination of air and ground yesterday, like you said, we get to kind of joke about here because none of it ended up being all that serious, mercifully. But it did make me wonder, and and this is more interesting the more I thought about it, looking forward to the show today, is the best combination of running back and wide receiver in the NFL this season and what that even buys you anymore. Because when you look down at some of the names that you would expect, you really get a lot of one without the other. And because of what we've seen so much of now in vogue in the NFL, backfields that make use of a quarterback's legs, backfields that make use of multiple running backs here, you don't see a lot of the top teams with the same combination of both. And it seems very much at the top of the NFL right now, you're far more likely to have one of the top receivers and a great quarterback than you are a running back who's really going to be a one-man wrecking crew on his own. So as we looked into this, Dad, was there one pairing that stood out to you that you thought might have been heads and tails above the best as far as this season, coming back this year that you think is going to yeah. be productive in 2023? Well, first off, the, the top producing from last year, and they're on the same team, that's one of the other differences. Teams you were going to pick, they've lost a running back or a wide receiver, so you can't put them together. But from a stat standpoint, it's Josh Jacobs and Devontae Evans from the from the Raiders, right? Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing and had 12 touchdowns. Devontae Adams had 100 receptions and 14 touchdowns. And now they have Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback. So we'll see where that goes. So that was the most productive when you look at it, the, the yards and especially the touchdowns. But if you ask me, ask me to pick one right off the they would be in my top five for sure, is Christian McCaffrey. And then would you pick Devo Samuel? I'd pick George Kittle. I'd put McCaffrey and Kittle. Together Now, Kittle last year just had 60 receptions, played, missed a couple of games, but had 11 touchdowns. And we know McCaffrey is uh, kind of the benchmark for the running back in the NFL now between running the ball and catching the ball uh, out of the backfield. So that would probably be my top right out of the gate. Yeah, I would say the, the duo in San Francisco, and I could, I'd probably go Debo on that one. It's sort of... Uh, 
emblematic of what it's all become for them, which is that largely positionless football idea where you can interchange the two. We saw what that offense did once Christian McCaffrey came over last year, and he's universally seen that as like the one exception at running back, at least for right now, of his involvement in an offense, what he can afford you because he's such a complete route runner as a pass catcher. You can use him in all those specific ways. And so they're probably up there. You're right. Like I'd say that would probably be number one. I think an interesting number two in this situation, and especially for this coming season, is going to be the Dallas Cowboys combo of CeeDee yes. Lamb and Tony Pollard. Yep. Like you looked at last year, Tony Pollard, the efficiency monster, the only because at that point still splitting carries with Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard was the only running back in the NFL to rush for over 1,000 yards on under 200 carries. Yep. So uh, when you're looking at a guy who's maximized that and is in line for more volume this year, we'll see how much Deuce Vaughn ends up factoring into things after a really good preseason. But if the Cowboys are going to cash in on all of the positive feelings around them this offseason, it's going to have to be probably behind this duo living up to their billing as one of the best in the NFL because you've actually got a name guy who's built up this momentum in Tony Pollard. Completely agree. That, that's in my top five. So San Francisco is the top five. Raiders are the top five. Dallas is the top five. The other one, before I get to two to, to pick in the top five, I put Cleveland in there. Nick Chubb over yeah. 1,500 yards rushing. And Amari Cooper, 78 receptions, almost 1,200 yards, 15 yards a reception, nine touchdowns with, a, you know, Jacoby Brissett quarterbacking. So let's see if Deshaun Watson gets back to what he can do and if those numbers go up. But Nick Chubb is undeniable at running back. So that's four. And then I had to choose between, and, and, and maybe I'll let you decide, the Chargers with Eckler and Keenan Allen, or how about Detroit? Jamal Williams, who had over 1,000 yards rushing and 17 touchdowns. And I'm on Ross St. Brown, who had six touchdowns as well. You know, that's a young up-and-coming duo right there. So I wasn't sure who to pick out of that group. Well, I can say, like, unfortunately, we're drafting a little bit off last year's where you'd have that group and Jamal Williams now with the New Orleans Saints. So maybe yeah. him down there potentially with Chris Olave or Michael Thomas becomes viable right. for that same reason. But, Dad, Jamal Williams was kind of seen as a touchdown vulture more than he was overall productive. And so it makes it a little tough. I would probably opt for the former over the latter on that, and I'm with you on the Browns. They're going to be fascinating to watch because that offense shifts more to Deshaun. Are they going yeah. to be more pass-heavy on offense because that's where he tends to cut his teeth? You're going to try to maximize the invention. The one I want to throw in there as the potential breakout one for this season is the duo in Atlanta, Bijan Robinson and Drake yeah. London on the outside there. That's another group going to be a really fun, exciting offense. We expect the world of Bijan, and unfortunately the position kind of needs him to ball out like that. But in Arthur Smith's offense, that one could really go above and beyond. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar... 
Call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Dad, going through the best running back receiver duo exercise, it kind of underscores an interesting place that the NFL's in right now. What What's your biggest takeaway from this? What's the stamp you want to put on this list? Well, I, th- I think it's the ones that coulda, shoulda, woulda had they stayed because you had all that movement, right? You just mentioned one. You, you Well, we look at San Francisco, the Raiders, the Chargers, the, the Cowboys, and the Browns as probably our top five of running back and receiver. Then you look at the ones that could have been there. You mentioned, you know, Jamal Williams, who had 17 touchdowns in Detroit. He goes to New Orleans. If he stays in Detroit, he and Amon Ross St. Brown, they could have been right there. Miles Sanders was fifth in rushing last year in Philadelphia. Put him with either one, A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith, and you're going to be in the top five, but he's gone. Uh, Dalvin Cook was sixth in the league in rushing with over 1,200 yards. Put him with Justin Jefferson. They would definitely be in the top five, but he's gone as well. So it was a bit of an offseason of movement, especially in that running back position. Of And I guess this kind of stamps the running back position as a whole. You had the fifth and sixth leading rushers in the league not wanted by their teams anymore. <laughs> I mean, that that, again, just another indictment of where we are at the running back position. Yeah, it's a great point. A lot of those places, they end up being the odd man out. Philadelphia being the perfect example. You had to pay your quarterback. You had gone out and made the big acquisition in A.J. Brown, and you had looked at your offense and said, all right, great line, quarterback who can add value to us in the running game, and a receiving group that's going to take a bunch of pressure off that with the way that you can deep play action on folks. And Miles Sanders ends up being the guy that has to be the odd man out. I do think it also, on the other side, we talked about B. John Robinson and Drake London in Atlanta. It's going to be guys on rookie contracts. That's what we've talked about, running back right. value at their greatest point. And so, you know, you look at a place like the Jets who are primed to see, hey, if Brees Hall comes back healthy, the pairing of him and Garrett Wilson, all of a sudden, does that become one of the best tandems in the NFL like it was last year. I mean, those guys, if Brees Hall had stayed healthy, would have been vying for offensive rookie right. of the year within their own team. So it, yep. it does show you that shift is, hey, you got to hit on a young running back in the prime of their career, early in their career, coming out of college, and then you're probably going to more likely see that as the pairing with a receiver who's been paid because that position right now seems to be the one that's still holding its value. We'll see how that works because we know it can change the drop of a hat in this league. Um, Dad, uh, shifting gears, I I saw something in Major League (laughs) Baseball over this weekend. Now, there was the meme going around, you've got to be a pretty sick person to enjoy this Yankee slide, and everyone promptly posting the pictures of the sickest people they could find because – we know how this goes. We're Notre Dame fans. We're sort of the Yankees of college football. And man, yeah. when you are down, nobody enjoys that more than literally everybody else. And the Yankees right now are on the verge of uh, – they've lost eight straight games for the first time since August of 1995 and are on the verge of their first season under 500 in like 30 years. Yeah, the Yankees are in danger of ending a streak of 30 consecutive winning seasons right now. So it's all been bad. Aaron Judge hurt his toe on one of the most recent series. 
But he, over the weekend, signed a deal with Jordan Brand. So it's like, all right, lone bright spot here. Aaron Judge, who balled out, bet on himself last year, got the big deal. Joe Flacco'd the hell out of this thing. Now gets to cash in with Jordan Brand. He announces a shoe. Dad, I don't know if you had seen this or not. They put out a series of promotional photos for this. And in one of them, they had Aaron Judge recreate the Michael Jordan six rings photo, the one that he did after their championship in 98, where he's got all the hardware pressed up against his head. They had Aaron Judge recreate this with the Jordan brand ring as a part of this photo shoot. I want to know. Who on either side of this equation thought that this was a winning formula for the player involved? Like, did they really just offer him up here for slanderous clicks in the name of getting this out here? Because, Dad, I don't know how any executive marketing for Jordan Brand or representing Aaron Judge looked and went, oh, yeah, this going to make him look good and they're not going to drag him. So this this always goes back to, and you've always said this, and, and I agree. Whenever there's a meeting, a marketing meeting, a meeting of new ideas, a meeting of how we're going to present something, every company should have somebody that's the common sense person to where, where everybody harumphs into their idea, right? And, and then it's mob mentality. One guy person likes it. The next person like it. And before you know it, if there are people in the room that are below those people, they all like it as well. Oh, my boss likes it. Harumph, harumph. I like it too. And then you pass it without even thinking about it until a decision is made that everybody should look one way down the table to the common sense person who then gives you the reasons not to do it, the reasons not to hit send. And was there nobody in that meeting that said, yeah, so Jordan is in that with all the hardware that he accomplished and won, and Aaron Judge has zero, now a great player, but has zero rings. Because everybody, you know, we're going to put that picture together side by each, as they would say, and there's nothing, nothing for Judge outside of, you know, the, the Nike ring or whatever the hell he has on there. There's no championships. So they missed again on having that common sense person that says, you know what? A, you, you, you basically get dragged anyway because you're the Yankees. B, this picture is going to make him get dragged and the Yankees get dragged because look at it. Look at the difference in this picture. Don't do it. And then maybe they would have, and maybe everybody in that room would have went, huh, you know what? You're right. Let's think of something different. But they obviously didn't have anybody in that room. So there you go. Yeah, no, it's the uh, the well-paid millennial sitting down at the table. And I guess at this point, probably a Gen Z kid just making TikToks, hanging out, not paying attention to anything you're doing in the room. Yes, I want to continue to advocate for this as a paid position in everybody's company. In every boardroom in America, you need an uninterested young person who's going to be able to make this happen for you because – Otherwise, you get this. And it's not even a great recreation. His finger's not in the right spot totally. Like, if you're going to do this with all of the resources of the Jordan brand at your disposal, I'd imagine the execution should look a little bit better than this and not put the player in a position where he's going to get made fun of. Maybe Aaron Judge truly doesn't care. Maybe this really is them taking advantage of understanding that no publicity is bad publicity. And they, on the other side of this, got to announce and drop a bubblegum pair of spikes and the corresponding sneakers that they're going to drop as the first part of this partnership between Judge and Jordan. And at the end of the day, like you said, 
Hopefully they've made it financially worth his while. But man, getting made fun of on the internet and being the main character should never be anybody's goal. And I hope that everybody involved didn't do that to him on purpose. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Dad, as we roll along here, we mentioned we got real-life college football coming up this weekend. Uh, our national nightmare is almost over. And so in the lead-up to that, we've been asking three big questions for all the Power Five conferences heading in to the 2023 season. Now, we know this comes after an offseason where all the questions have been off the field. Yeah. The ACC, who we're going to talk about today, has not been excluded from that. Some really awkward overtures with Florida State and their administration potentially looking for private financing to help get them out of their deal with the ACC should they want to try and jump to one of these conferences. So there was definitely an awkward flirtation going in there, but we do get to real-life football with them. And it's a pretty interesting conference now because of Florida State, albeit on the football yes. field. Dad, that was a team that I remember, I mean, three years ago now, back in the 2021 season. They started off 0-4 for the first time since the 70s. People wanted to run Mike Norvell out of town for what was going on there. They couldn't financially afford to, so here he sits. But now on the other side, coming off of last year, Dad, this is a team that's got very real hopes that's preseason ranked in the top 10 and now gets us to ask this question. So if we're going to ask three questions, Dad, I want to start with this one because it has been the case for quite some time now. With that in mind, does this conference still belong to Clemson or are we getting ready to start to see that team stranglehold on the ACC loosen this year? You know, this is one of those situations where you let the coaches' classes come through. And we're starting to see, Norvell's been there three years, the recruiting that he's done. And now you mix in the portal, which has just been, while coaches talk about the headache that it is, and I can see how it, how it can be a headache, it's also another way to never have to wait till my recruits get enough experience or old enough or good enough to become the team. You can sprinkle in the portal or you can fire hose in the portal, right? And bring a bunch of mercenaries in and then hope you click in that year. So you have the, the ability to do that. And so between Mike Norvell and his recruits over the last couple of years coming to fruition and the portal, I think they're ready to go because Clemson, you have a quarterback in Klubnik who threw just 100 pass, I think 100 passes last year. You lost your wide receivers. You have a hell of a defense again, especially that, that front seven. I get it. 
but you just wonder, can they do enough offensively between an inexperienced quarterback and now who is he throwing the ball to against a Florida State team that has kind of built itself and I think is ready to establish himself. Remember, this is the, I think, the 18th year since they've gone to division play in 2005. The first ACC championship game when they went to divisions was Florida State and Miami. So that was way back when. And Miami is still, Miami to me is becoming like Texas. Hey, Miami's back. No, they're not. Hey, Texas is back. No, they're not. So we'll see yet again. But I, th I think it's, I think Florida State is kind of peaking right now to take that title from Clemson, in my opinion. You mentioned the portal influx for Florida State. The receiving core around Jordan Travis, who is a big part of all this hype coming back, right? Jordan Travis, veteran passer, coming back on a team that doesn't lose much uh, in other positions is always going to automatically put you above the fray right now when you got a quarterback people trust. He might not be the best quarterback in college football, but for my money, he is the most electrifying when he breaks contain. That as sudden an athlete as we have in the sport, probably now that Malik Cunningham left, who you know Patriots fans are getting to know, now that he's yeah. left the ACC, probably the most sudden and electric quarterback who takes off as a runner. But you look around him, you mentioned Johnny Wilson, who was their big-bodied wide receiver, a transfer from Arizona State a year ago, huge production for them. They're getting ready to bring Keon Coleman over from Michigan State, who was a really strong wide receiver for them this last year. Jaheim Bell, their tight end, was a guy, really high-ceiling player at South Carolina, owned some of the best tight end performances in that school's history. And then Trey Benson at running back, who is an absolute stud, uh, who I believe was also a transfer player for them uh, at one point there, yeah, came over from Oregon. So, again, you look around, they've been able to make hay in that area. They've been able to bring them together. And to you know, Mike Norvell's credit, you got to get all those people to gel, get on the same page, and play really well together. And he's done that. And so I, I look at that and say, yeah, absolutely, they deserve a ton of credit there, Dad. The big outlier for me and how I think about Clemson, because we had to deal with them losing, deal with them losing Brent Venables a year ago as their defensive coordinator. And that had really been the hallmark of Clemson for so long was consistency, especially along the coaching staff, offensive coordinator, maybe a little less so. But you had had really Dabo Sweeney able to be the figurehead of this program and Brent Venables be the head coach of one of the most fearsome right. defenses every year in college football. And he left and that changed. But like you said, personnel wise over there, they're strapped. It's the Garrett Riley factor on offense now. They bring over the offensive coordinator that helped architect a huge turnaround for TCU last year, helped get them to the college football playoff, and helped make the most of a player in Max Duggan who thus far had had an all-right career in TCU's uniform there. We know Quentin Johnston ends up popping, Kendra Miller in the backfield, but you look around at some of the pieces, I'm always going to have questions about Clemson up front. Are they going to ever be able to bully people along the offensive line? if this program doesn't have premier wide receivers and a generational quarterback, because that's what sustained this Clemson run is incredible front seven on defense, first round talent at wide receiver, and a quarterback who's going to go on and be one of the best in the NFL and was one of the best in college. And right now, Dad, there's more transition and more volatility around Clemson's program than we've ever seen around Dabo Swinney. And so can they absorb that and come out on the other side is the question. I'd probably still lean towards picking them in the ACC just because I think Kate Klubnick's a quality prospect, and I think Garrett Riley is the kind of coordinator that can maximize what they've got. 
So, and we'll see. You know, with Florida State, remember, they open up with LSU. But even if they lose that game, it's not a conference game. So they're still fine uh, from the conference standpoint. But what a test right out of the gate. And it's really those two, right? I mean, North Carolina, you got Drake May. But, you know, you're losing receivers. Your defense has some holes. You look at, at Duke. Now, they have a lot of people returning. But they never really seemed to, to break over the hump. North Carolina State is a team to me that kind of you expect more and don't get it. You keep waiting for a little more, and then you don't get it. So I, I do think it is Florida State and Clemson. It, it's just going to be those two. Maybe we'll get a surprise team in there, but I'm pretty locked into just those two. Yeah, according to DraftKings Sportsbook odds to win the ACC in 2023, Clemson the favorite at plus 145, Florida State right on their heels at plus 150, and then the next closest, North Carolina at plus 1,000 and Louisville at plus 1,000 with a couple other teams in that range. So it, it's pretty universally seen as a two-team race in this conference right now. And, you know, Florida State's defense and how they can hold up. And then the uh, offense that we mentioned with Kate Klubnick now. Again, maybe there's something to be said, Dad, for the picture's not cloudy at quarterback there anymore, right? You had the DJ right. Uyangale situation hanging overhead there. We remember as Notre Dame fans, Cade Klubnick getting thrown to the wolves towards the end of that game. He obviously got to start some down the stretch of the season once they made that change. And so maybe a year at the helm or a year now where he goes in as the unquestioned guy in an offense that showed, hey, it can microwave some results Am pretty I well open? last year as it did there. So um, we're going to go to uh, the second question now on this list, Dad. You mentioned we had Drake May at the helm for North Carolina. I want to know for him, does Drake May have a realistic Heisman chance this upcoming season? Because last year, I felt like he was playing at a Heisman level at a year where North Carolina enjoyed some resurgent success. They were one of the most potent offenses in the country, but because the team wasn't you know, in the top 10 competing for a national championship, potentially even competing for the ACC championship, at least towards the end when it fell off, it didn't really feel like Drake May got the Heisman buzz that would befit a quarterback of his skill set because he's going to get talked about by all the draft folks as right there in lockstep with Caleb right. Williams. So, right. Dad, how do you feel about his Heisman chances going into this season? Oh, I think they're going to be tough. I mean, I, I really do. I, I, um, because they're going to they're going to have some losses, and we usually see the Heisman, you know, Trophy winner, you know, with with a little better of a team. So. Now they do get to they do get to avoid Florida State. They play Clemson, obviously, open up with South Carolina, um, but they do avoid Florida State. And it it is one of those things because he's considered the second quarterback behind Caleb Williams. Everybody's expecting those incredible numbers, but I don't know. You lose some wide receivers, and you just don't know where the team is. The team defensively, I don't think, is going to be great. So now, I mean, it is going to be on you to score, right? To outscore your opponent, 38-35, 35-32, 40-35, whatever it may be. So that's even now. So that may make his numbers look pretty gaudy if he's able to do that. But I, I don't know, and I don't know if it's fair or not, but I don't know if he'll get kind of the respect is the wrong word, maybe right type of of people saying, oh yeah, I'm going to vote for him. I don't I don't know if he's going to carry that cachet. And I, and I think that's a wrong way to go about it. You know me in this award. I can't stand this award. It's a quarterback award. It shouldn't even be called the Heisman. And we have, we have what, three or four other quarterback awards out there, 
you know, for the top quarterback and the Heisman, but the Heisman always goes to a quarterback. So I'm kind of out on that anyway. But I, I don't think he'll get enough love to be a Heisman, to be up there for the Heisman. All he did last year was come in and basically erase most of the passing records of Sam Howell, who is now getting ready to start yeah. for the Washington Commanders and look like one of the best players in the country. Drake May helped basically lead that team in rushing, was first-team All-ACC, ACC Rookie of the Year, a pro football-focused third-team All-American. Like, Dad, he should have the branding coming into this season yes. to at yes. least potentially help that out, which is important. But I just looked up the odds on DraftKings, too. There are one, two, three, four, five, six quarterbacks ahead of Drake May in the odds. He is tied for the sixth best odds with Sam Hartman, Michael Penix Jr., and Bo Nix at plus 1,600 behind Caleb Williams, understandably the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden right, Daniels, right. Quinn Ewers, Cade Klubnick, Jordan Travis, and Carson Beck who has not started yeah. a single game started at this point game. in his career, yeah. but is getting ready to take over for a team that looks like it could be wire-to-wire -wire number one based on Georgia's schedule. So it's the tough part, Dad. And for you know Drake May, he loses the Josh Downs connection that was so potent for that offense last year. I worry about their ability to protect him, as him and Drake May both really ran for their lives over the large majority of last year. And so I'm with you. It's probably going to be a long shot. But I do think he's at least better positioned than last. And sometimes we see this with the NFL MVP too, where you got to build up a little bit of inertia when it comes to the public conversation around you right. and a certain award, or at least your conversation at this level, because what Drake May did as a freshman last year was pretty unprecedented. Well, you know, it helps too get a big win, right? I mean, and you sit there and look at their schedule and you try and find where is going to be that that kind of win that says, oh, yeah, you know, this is big time. And they don't play Clemson until the second last game of the season. Obviously, a lot of conference games open up with South Carolina, then play Appalachian State uh, before Minnesota, and then on down the line until Clemson. So he needs that big game in a signature win. And that's, that's kind of the game everybody will point to and say, if they're having a good season and he has a monster game and Clemson's having a good season and they knock him off, you know, and that that's right before that's that's middle of November. That's just a few weeks before the Heisman vote is out, you know, so that might be that late run to try and catch people's eyes if he's able to do it. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I guess you're right about that is usually we do have to kind of wait for that Heisman moment. Yeah. Um, and backloading it kind of like it works out with the schedule for a lot of people uh, ends up working out that way. So he should absolutely be in the running if he's anything like he was last season. I mean, last season, he should have been a guy that was considered far more for the award than I think he ended up being. And so I want to see that for him because legitimately the conversation around him and Kayla Williams is going to be fascinating as far as the number one overall pick because he is so physically impressive. He moves just as well almost as Caleb Williams. Caleb might have a little more of the off-platform stuff, but Drake May is a certified stud and easily the 1A or 1B of quarterbacks coming back in college football this year, however it's awarded. Dad, you mentioned some of the other teams here, and I found, I think, an interesting lens to look at the rest of the ACC because we know Notre Dame's been having its cake and eating it too for a while around the conference. It's yep. a very poorly kept secret. Notre Dame, who is a full-time member in the ACC and all other sports, and in football still maintains its independence, but as a part of that deal, has to play five ACC games each season. 
And what's come with that is now an interesting situation brewing for the ACC, Dad, and it's the impetus for this question. Will anyone in the ACC beat Notre Dame this season? Because the Irish in the regular season against the ACC are undefeated 28-0 since 2017 when they lost to Miami in that game down in Miami Gardens, got absolutely boat raced um, in a game that almost made me throw my phone out of a car window I was yep. driving in. Um, <laughs> 28 and 0 since then. So, Dad, on the schedule for Notre Dame this year, they are at NC State, at Duke, at Louisville, home versus Pitt, on the road versus Clemson, and then home against Wake Forest. So, they have got all of that ACC goodness on the schedule this year. Dad, which of those teams do you think actually has the goods to pull this off? Maybe we'll exclude Clemson because obviously yeah, yeah. Clemson at home absolutely has the ability to beat Notre Dame. So of the rest of those teams, who would most worry you or who would have the best chance to erase well, this mark? Interesting. Four of those six games on the road, right? Um, just yeah. Pitt and Wake Forest at home. The Wake Forest game, you know, that is is pretty wild. Sam Hartman's old team there. I, I don't worry about that one. Pitt always plays Notre Dame touch. Yurkovic now is the quarterback there. He was at Notre Dame. Then he went to BC, played against Notre Dame. Now he's at Pitt and he'll play against Notre Dame again. Mike, we're, we're in the second year of Marcus Freeman. And so his system is in. The players know his personality. And the next step for a Notre Dame team, again, not in conference play from a football standpoint. And we know the three big games for them, right? Ohio State, USC, Clemson, is don't lose the games you're not supposed to lose. They did it last year to Marshall. They did it last year to Stanford. And then they lost Ohio State and they lost USC. So that gives them four losses. Beat the teams you're supposed to. They have two losses. But we know anything can happen. But that's that will be the one of the marks for Marcus Freeman on how much is your team improving is you need to take care of business in those games. So they shouldn't be losing to any of the teams. Again, we're excluding Clemson. That, that'll be an interesting game. I, as I said, North Carolina State, sometimes they can, man, put up 45 on you, and other times they, they look like a second-tier team. They're tough to figure out. As I, as I said, Pitt – Oh, we can play Notre Dame tough. I don't worry so much about Wake Forest. Duke. Duke is another one of those teams, man. A lot of players back. You just wonder if they can, and this would be a monster win for them. I just don't see it. So uh, the, I, I, North Carolina State and Pitt would probably be the two <clears throat> that, that would be on my radar there. But again, this is a barometer for Marcus, and he knows, listen, not like we're talking out of school. No one knows more than Marcus the steps you have to take. Uh, to get where you want to go. And isn't it ironic that all the people and one of the reasons they, all the haters on Notre Dame and one of the reasons they hate Notre Dame is, oh, too good for a conference, too good to join a conference. And you know what? They won't join a conference as long as the independence works for them is now the irony is in all honesty, this is the way college football should end up with the football programs, the power football programs, being all independent, and then all their other sports should be in their conferences, just like Notre Dame is at ACC right now, all the other sports. It, it should be that way the Pac-12 wouldn't have broken up if the football was separate and all the other ones could, all the rest of their sports could be in the Pac-12. So it could end up like Notre Dame is and has been all along, which would be pretty ironic. It, it would certainly be something to see it play out that way. It's going to be something to watch this play out 
as I look down all these teams we just talked about, there's a lot of familiarity with Notre Dame in the past with some of these spots. NC State, you mentioned offensively, Dad, no more Devin Leary for the first time in a while. They reunite Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong, who made music, beautiful music at Virginia a couple of seasons ago. People in Notre Dame would be familiar with Robert and I. He was coaching a very froggy Syracuse offense last year mm, that Notre right. Dame ran through. Duke in week five, Mike Elko, the head coach there, Notre Dame one-time defensive coordinator, certainly got some familiarity with the Irish and Riley Leonard, a quarterback who can make it work. Um, Louisville, Jeff Brom taking over there at his alma mater. And Jack Plummer, the Notre Dame quarter, uh, the quarterback Notre Dame faced at the helm for Cal, now going to be back with right. a coach he spent four years under at Purdue in an offense that's going to chuck it all the time. Obviously, Pitt, we talked about Phil Jerkovich there. Probably doesn't necessarily worry you. And then senior day, Wake Forest coming to visit Sam Hartman, a guy who probably had a hand in helping recruit pretty much every offensive skill player on that roster, you know, played with the guys in front of that offensive line for a long time. So the six degrees of separation of faces familiar to Notre Dame, now maybe in some new places around the ACC that are all going to try and do the impossible. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Dad, let's finish off with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories. Send everybody on their way. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five-star rating, and check out our friends over at Knock Around Sunglasses. Because rain or shine, hurricane or not, you need to be protected from the sun and just look cool. Like, maybe it is raining outside, but the sun never sets on a badass, and knockaround.com can help you look just that. They're the go-to for high-quality polarized sunglasses that aren't going to break the bank or light in your wallet. They have released the first nine teams of their MLB collection. You can recreate the Aaron Judge, Michael Jordan pose with some uh, New York Yankees knockaround sunglasses or support U.S. women's soccer as they get ready for the Paris uh, Olympic Games by getting the official U.S. women's soccer team sunglasses, all to help make your game day outfits look and feel even better. So don't be the person squinting at the sun, trying not to get sand in your overpriced shades towards the end of summer. Go to knockaround.com. Great-looking polarized shade starting at just 28 bucks, And when you use code GOLIC at checkout, you're going to get free shipping on your order. Um, it, it still seemed like you misspoke when you said Hurricane, but you meant Hurricane. For those wondering, hey, Mike misspoke. No, no. Hurricane that was threatening L.A., and Mike was in his first earthquake yesterday in L.A. So it is the officially the Hurricane. Yep, uh, get ready. It's going to be the next Sci-Fi Channel original movie. You can book that one. <laughs> I'm willing to run to the bank with it. Um, uh, Dad, speaking of things that have made waves, let's get to this. Uh, Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami just cannot stop winning since he came over there. They uh, help. He helps lift Inter-Miami to win the League's Cup. Um, one of the you know side quest trophies that you can win over the course of the MLS season. And, Dad, while Messi scoring in this game has become par for the course since he's come over here and really taken the league by storm, this game finished off in a fascinating way here. It went to penalty kicks. Inter-Miami ends up winning 10-9 in this game. 
Thanks to an effort from their goalkeeper, Drake Callender, yeah. who ends up having to come out because they had so many players from the field finally go and kick. We had a goalie kickoff here, and he ends up scoring the winning PK and then denying the other goalie for Inter to lift the cup. That's Finally, we're mentioning somebody else's name other than Messi, right? <laughs> who did something that led to the team's victory. But uh, what a great victory for them. Again, 10-9 in penalty kicks is absolutely amazing. But Messi on this scoring bench, do I wonder, Mike, when he goes home and is just in a private moment with his family talking, if he is like, oh, my God, it's so easy here. <laughs> scoring goals is so easy in, the, in this league. It, 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 he's, he's, now, again, he's one of the greatest, maybe the greatest ever. He is 36. So, you know, he's, he's getting up there in age. But I mean, it's it's almost like this varsity guy playing against JV. It's and for those that are like, oh my god, oh my god, he's doing this. It's like, have you watched him? Do you know what he does on the world stage? You know, he is literally the best. And oh, by the way, this trophy was his forty fourth trophy of his career, becoming the most decorated men's footballer in their sports history. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's been something. And, Dad, you know what? For a lot of American fans, maybe they weren't. Now, MLS, I'm sure there was a crossover of fans who are obviously very yeah, familiar yeah. with Messi. But there are probably a bunch of people parachuting in on this situation that never would have otherwise watched. And, man, that's the whole point of why Inter-Miami and everyone at MLS went out and tried to do so much to get this guy over here. So far, worth every penny. Although, as Stu Gott said right here, it should be Messi celebrating there and then the rest of Inner Miami celebrating Messi with the trophy based on how things have gone since his arrival there. So congratulations to them. We'll see what the rest of the MLS table looks like for that side. But, Dad, we've uh, also got that, uh, some more news on the soccer stage. The World Cup has been decided on the women's side here, and Spain reached the pinnacle on Sunday. They beat England 1-0 to win the Women's World Cup for the first time in that program's history. So. Incredible moment for them. Obviously, we talked about with Team USA's early exit. Wasn't as much of an attachment for us to this World Cup. But Spain gets to lift it for the, fir uh, the first time here. I saw Alcaraz in his tennis match in Cincinnati. Wrote his uh, signature on the screen after a win over the weekend and wished the women's team good luck there. And apparently it's paid off. A big win for them. Uh, and you look at the, the young lady who scored the, the goal uh, Olga Carmona, Olga Carmona. I mean, what she found out after. I mean, this was one where after yeah. the match, she had found out that her father had had passed away. Uh, I mean, that, that you want to talk about bittersweet. I mean, that that about what what a great moment to win a World Cup, but putting in perspective of uh, perspective of real life of losing her father. So that had what a I can't even imagine the highs and then the incredible low uh, for her, but. Uh, a great win for them against England, 1-0. So uh, it was impressive what they did. They became only the second country after Germany to win both the men's and women's World Cups. Uh, so congrats to them. But uh, hearts go out to Olga in, in the high of that and then the, the devastating low of losing her father. Uh, certainly a, an unbelievably tragic situation and one that, you know, for all the joy in that moment, certainly will not erase the pain there. But uh, you certainly hope with her teammates and everyone else rallying around her in this time of celebration for the country and what they'd accomplished there, even in the midst and the backdrop of a lot of turmoil within that federation. So many of the players on the team expressing misgivings with the head coach before this World Cup. 
that the people that are there, her teammates, can be so supportive and be the backbone she needs during an incredibly trying time. So certainly thoughts and prayers to her and certainly a congratulations to everyone in Spain and those players for going out and getting it done on the world stage. Dad, let's get to the third and leave people with some good news here. Man, you know, good news to a certain section of the population. I don't feel like we have as many boy bands at this point. And pop music in general, it's all in a different place right now. And so this little whiff of nostalgia on a Monday really set it off. In Sync is set to reunite with Justin Timberlake to release its first song in more than 20 years, according to a report. I saw this on page six that Justin Timberlake, JC Sazez, Joey Fatone, and Chris Kirkpatrick, along with Lance Bass, are going to release a new song for the upcoming movie Trolls, Band Together. This source told Entertainment Tonight on Friday. Dad, how are we feeling about some fresh in sync for the start of the fall? Well, you, you listen, you want to impress me. Uh, let, let's see them all on tour together, right? That's what, that's what I'm sure all in sync fans want to see is would they all travel together and be on tour together. And I don't think that's going to happen. So we get a song in a movie. That's cool. But uh, people are going to want more, right? I mean, isn't everybody going to want more out of this thing? They are. And I wonder what a perfect opportunity to give them a little bit more. If you are those guys, it would seem like the perfect instance if you were going to mastermind this to announce that you were going to run back a little tour. Now, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. I do have to also appreciate that it's a kid's movie that is managing to bring together the nostalgia, as they always do. Kids movies are hardly ever made for the kids and more for the parents that got to go take them there. Trolls, the first time around, was also a banger. Great songs in that one. And so it shouldn't be surprising that Trolls or a, Disney, or a Pixar movie in general are making magic happen like this. And again, what I was talking about has happened a bit. They've gotten together to make a few public appearances. I think the last one, August of 2013, they performed with Timberlake at the MTV VMAs in Brooklyn. So it has happened occasionally. And so you wonder if it'll happen again or happen on a more consistent basis. I would say probably no. Uh, but uh, we'll see. You know, for for those fans, you do get this one song in this movie together. So enjoy. Yeah, InSync, who led the uh, probably led the league back when I was a kid of the early like pixelated ringtones that you could buy for phones there. Although if I'm being honest, I was always more of a Backstreet Boys guy uh, when that war raged on many moons ago. So. Uh, you know, I'm willing to look over that for basically all the 90s and early 2000s nostalgia that this could potentially provide here and to see if Frosted Tips somehow make a comeback because of this. We'll see the before and after pictures, all of the denim and different hairstyles that made their way through the ages, if any of that enjoys an uptick. They're in their, what, early 50s, late 40s now? So, but this is, listen, this is bands from my era who are in their 70s are out there touring again. So, man, have at it. You know, you got plenty of fans that'll still watch. We hope fans of this show will still watch and listen after this. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Thanks, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Go, go. Boom. Money in the bank. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.